30th of June, 2019. Dearest Amantha, I write to you hoping to find you in good health and cheer. It has been three long months since I wrote you. I apologize for not telling you I was signing on for the Gibraltar Front, but I just could not stand the idea of a Spanish-speaking EU nation overriding the wishes of a nominally sovereign British people. My passion for military history, as well as my collection of antique bayonets, must not stand idle while nominal British sovereignty is at stake. As our Prime Minister put it, the most red, white and blue military operation of our great island's history is underway, and there is not a sharp marathon on any daytime channel that could keep me from it. The volunteers and I dined on board a working replica of HMS Victory, specially laid on by the Department of Defence, before boarding the tactical assault vessel from Gibraltar to the Costa del Sol, only fifteen pounds once I collected all the coupons from my son. I met with the platoon under my command, the 5th Mad Frankie Fraser Memorial Guard. Mostly expats, they're a great bunch of lads, but it's inexperienced at armed warfare, although they beat up several Spanish-speaking porters on the way up the beach. Our progress up the coast has been slow, bogged down by the Spanish trenches and cheap Red Lion-style pubs, those priest-fearing Spanish devils. But it gave me a chance to get to know my own men better, my favourite of whom is Gary Punchkick. Gary has lived out here for 17 years, after making his fortune selling small batch horsemeat futures in the city. He wouldn't go into details, but suffice it to say, political motivated judges, and my bitch of an ex-wife, and a motive neither he nor anyone else could explain, featured prominently. Today I saw a blue passport piece-sized piece of card fluttering in the breeze. It was a real reminder of what we're out here fighting for. We have had tremendous weather, which burns my skin a healthy scarlet, and I am thinking about getting a house out here once we drive the enemy from Estepona. Yours, Sergeant Julian Berg. 29th of July. My dearest Amantha, we arrived at Cancelada and found no taxis. They arrived a few days after, but before we could embark, the Spanish attacked us with all their force in our most disadvantageous position. They were repulsed by a valour which only British troops can possess, though exposed to a tremendous amount of artillery fire due to the new patriotic doctrine of marching in bright red uniforms in single file at the enemy lines. The lady from the army's PR department felt it would set the right tone for what must be the most historic defense of British property values in 70 years. We have been everywhere received with the greatest cordiality and joy by the Spaniards as their deliverers from the oppressive tyranny of the Eurocrat. The obsessive desire for measurement and regulation has surely driven these simple people mad. Actions were complicated by the mad Frankie Fraser Memorial Brigade's desire to ensure every swimming pool was skimmed regularly, even when they were empty. This slowed our progress to a crawl, 
until I persuaded several locals to hang around behind and collect the leaves up. When they refused to collect the severed limbs of their compatriots in a similar manner, however, their lack of basic manners caught up with them, and we had no choice but to herd them into a two-car garage and set it on fire. Yet more sad victims of European welfare dependency culture. The house itself must have been worth one or two million. The housing situation is so much better out here than in Britain. Must look into getting a place out here once the war is over. Yours, Sergeant Major Julian Wagg. 16th of August, dearest Amantha, I have just time to say that I am well, and happy in the prospect of soon seeing all my beloved friends, after our disastrous and most harassing retreat from the San Miguel Bowles Club. Thank you for sending me the Royal Arms Tea Plate Collection, it truly soothes me in these dark times. I am afraid to say poor Gary Punchkick has been killed in action. After he ran out of the blood-thinning medication we brexited from the Cancellada Medical Center turned out to be sedatives. Bloody typical. They were labeled El Sedante. Typical creaking EU bureaucracy. This is just like the Euro. I am happy to say we conducted our retreat in the finest traditions of the British Army. Disarmed and with many of our brigade running low on fuel for their mobility scooters, the men still kept their spirits up, waving their blue passports at passers-by that they thought looked a bit Spanish, and officers piggybacking onto enlisted men to keep their feet dry when crossing a river. Such are the fortunes of war, but it's all worth it to retain our sovereignty and our British way of life. Yours, Sir Julian Wagg. P.S. Passed a beautiful little villa while retreating back to Estepona. Sea view, little taverna around the corner. Might look up to see how much it's going for. Hello and welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, episode 7. Political discussion that to the uninitiated may just sound like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and I'm here with Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk about the week's news. And what a week it's been. It's a fantastic week. God. Every day there's been a stupider news story. Or a more depressing news story. That's just Britain. Uh, It's Britain right now. Everywhere. Um, We'll start off with a light one. Um, The furore today about... Um, the word Easter on Easter eggs. You know, we're heading into um, a period of massive constitutional, legal and political upheaval um, and our Prime Minister took time out from a very important trade delegation to talk about the word Easter being on East- on Cadbury's Easter eggs. Well, as a Christian, yeah. I'm very glad that she took time out of talking to the chief torturer of the <laughs> House of Saud. <laughs> Well, to complain about a news story that, if even if you look at it even slightly, 
isn't true. <laughs> so the actual story is that the, Nas- the Cadbury's were doing a co-sponsorship thing with the National Trust to do an Easter egg hunt on one of their um, estates. Yeah. And the story went round this morning that the word Easter had been taken out of the egg hunt uh, literature and advertising. Even though it hasn't. Even though it hadn't. And you can look on the the Cadbury's own website, which is easter.cadbury's. <laughs> .co.uk and it says Easter a lot on that website yeah. an awful lot and oh judgment. but also fantastic when she's going yeah she's going to talk to the emperor of Saudi Arabia yeah. about uh, trade agreements and she's going there and she's talking about the importance of enforcing Christian festivals on people but also it's the worst like it always happens whenever it's time with Christian festival any what any of them pop up, there'll always be those people who bitch and yeah. moan about how they're not Christian enough. But the chocolate egg one, and it's like, yeah. oh my god, why aren't they ascribing this chocolate egg the proper reverence that it deserves as an important Christian symbol? The chocolate egg. <laughs> and then I saw they were bitching like um there was, there was on the radio this morning they were saying the Quakers were very devout, the Quakers who founded Cadbury's. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they'd be utterly disgusted what's like, happening. John Cadbury would be rolling in his grave. Quakers known for taking ardent political stances, <laughs> wording <laughs> and religious practice. But also, Cadbury's used to be, like, as far as this country goes, a bastion of workers' rights. And uh, I mean, it was like a lot of those Quaker it's like, things, it's, like it's, it's Capri's like Henry, and Clark's and like those kind of things. It's like the Henry Ford thing, though. It does. It was a bastion of workers' rights, but it came with like provisos. So it's like, don't fuck. Yeah. It's like you can have a house, just don't fuck with, just don't fuck in it. Oh, and by the way, unless you have you're to married, be, you have to be inside your house by ten. Otherwise, we'll fire you. Well, that that seems like what we have which now, seem, except you don't which, get yeah, to have a house. It's better. <laughs> I, yeah. Given the state of the times, it's better. As far as religious theocracies go, <laughs> being controlled by Quakers is probably the nicest one. Quakers are... Well, what are they going to do for a start? They're not going to have death squads, are they? As a noted proponent of the coming Sufi caliphate. <laughs> just want to spin around the pod bottom of my head. Awesome. <laughs> to better find God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's stupid. And it's, and it's, it's wrong, because it, it it's not even true. And it shows how little they pay attention to the news before they start getting really angry and ranting about it. And that's it, Nigel Farage was saying oh, about defending so Judeo-Christian values because the Jews were really, really obsessed with the zombification story of Jesus. <laughs> the resurrection of Christ very big in Judaic mythology. <laughs> yeah, it's in that bit that's stapled on the end of the Talmud. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's hilariously funny. It uh, is. It's a... Uh, it, and everything about it, every aspect you can come at it yeah. is, is just funny. Tim Farron made a load of egg puns to accuse Jeremy Corbyn and Theresa May of like spreading fake news or whatever. And perfect. That seems like his ideal role. I didn't see Jeremy Corbyn saying anything. And because... Jeremy Corbyn didn't say anything because it wasn't worth talking about. But, well, no, it wouldn't matter if it was worth talking about. Jeremy Corbyn wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> Although he, did, he was saying stuff today about, you know, we shouldn't be selling weapons to the Saudis. Mm. Because that's the other news story. The Saudi stuff. Yeah. The, you know, isn't she brilliant? She doesn't wear a headscarf. Like every other female leader who's gone into that country. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps you don't understand how this whole Islamic, corrupt Islamic theocracy works, (laughs) right? (laughs) She's a head of state. She goes to do whatever the fuck she wants. She's got all the guns. Yeah. 
She's selling them the guns. They're fine with her <laughs> after off her hair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, our next story moving on to we've got an action-packed week. Let me tell you. So we're going to be moving through these uh, fair pace. Um, Sadiq Khan. This was your um, what you well, were I just, talking I was about. I was it on the, the news uh, today. It was like um, Sadiq Khan wants to improve the air quality of London because Britain is the dirty man of Europe and London is his filthiest bit <laughs> in every single possible way it is it is his filthiest London bit London is his dusty scrotum his taint because <laughs> yeah. the scrotum's useful I don't know you got you concentrate more on the taint though concentrate more on the taint yeah when you're washing it's oh. easier to get to it's part of the it's part of the genital arsehole transitional area so you know <laughs> so I just sort of need to know about how you wash yourself. Um, Everybody needs to know. But yeah, so he wants to improve air quality and have like a a, a more stringent emission zone. Mm-hmm. Um, make people pay a lot of money for driving in central London at first, and then it will extend out. I think to the North Circular. Okay, yeah. Um, which is good. It probably needs it because welcome to London. Here's your. Oxygen mask. Yeah. Well, my my chest has been worse since... This is the worst my chest has ever been since I quit smoking. Yeah. And I haven't smoked for... What, two years now? Yeah, it must be. I'm coming up on two years, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't had an asthma attack in most in like all that time. Yeah. I could breathe. I could smell London, which is a mistake. Yeah. Um... But recently, yeah, I've been having like chest infections like I used to when I was smoking. I mean, it, it all started to come from, um, I mean, obviously, like, there's a load of cars. Boris had no interest in kind of clamping that down, despite being, the, you know, the cycling guy. Well, no, he reduced no the congestion in... charge zone from, like, the wet, from West London. He, like, sucked it yeah. right in. But uh, He also um, didn't repair the, um, on Oxford Street, didn't repair the um, pollution testers when they broke down. Didn't it? Yeah. So, uh, Brit- like London, I think I can't remember how it turned out, but it should have been in for a massive fine because yeah. that's what the EU <laughs> um, puts in. Well, it's just where, disgusting where EU regulation. Maybe we want our children to only be five foot tall and have the lungs of a seventy-five-year-old chain smoker. <laughs> um, because freedom. That's what I'm saying, <laughs> man. But. It's good. Um, there'll be a load of people who bitch and moan and talk about how much it's going to cost them because I think by the time it's all done, only the newest cars will be exempt from being fined. Yeah. And I can understand it when it's like when it stretches out to where you are literally living with your car parked in front of you and you start getting fined for it just sitting there. Yeah. But also, me and my wife, we only use our car out of sheer laziness most yeah. of the time. Like. It's if we've fucked up with the shopping and then we have to drive to a big London, shop. London's one of the few, probably one of the few cities in the UK where you can actually do that. Yeah, except like when you need is... a sofa, a mattress, or a big telly. Yeah, but I mean, that's, you know... That's not, that's you're not, not doing that every week. Like, it? the most I see cars around here are for dropping kids off and picking kids up from school. Yeah, Which school drives me around the bend because the catchment area around here... For like the school that my daughter's at, at the moment is about half a mile. Yeah. And if your kid can't walk half a mile, yeah. well, actually, with the pollution levels, they're not going to be able to walk yeah. half a mile soon. Yeah. But um, how, why are they needing to be driven? And it's it's like goes into another thing about inflating housing prices and stuff like that because you get your kid into the school and then you move out to the leafy suburbs yeah. and it's, then you drive them here from fucking Chingford. Yeah. It's almost as if these issues are somehow all related. 
sure. as if every human experience, as if the human experience is a single one, all meshed together with different facets that all affect each other. <laughs> Crazy, I know. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. it will be good if that happens. If he gets to do it, I mean, um, I, I already saw they were talking about like. Oh, they, they can't just start finding people. What they need to do is they need to have a carrot as well as a stick. And it's like, no, fuck off. No, drivers don't get any more carrots. I'm sorry. Like, no. Okay, I'm not a driver. I'm speaking from the outside here. I'm sure there's some very angry drivers because they all seem to be the same angry people. There's ideas to move it to other cities as uh, well. But London is a great city if you don't know how to drive. Yes. I never bothered learning yeah. how to drive because I was brought up in the southeast and then I moved to London and I never needed to. Yeah. The only reason my wife knows how to drive is because she was brought up in Norfolk, whereas if you if you couldn't drive, then you I'm sorry, you're fucking a pig. <laughs> because there's nothing else to do. Um, I mean, the the structure of this, isn't it? He's going to expand the congestion charge to diesels and um, uh, up the fines for having I think it's not to do the congestion charge, it's like the low emission zone stuff. Hmm. Cause yeah, that's probably... That's, I mean, that's you don't really know it's those signs, because like, you don't ever get in a car around London, so you don't see yeah. the little signs up, but... Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what it's going to do. But it's um, yeah, it's good, and there'll be people who bitch and moan and say, and there's there'll be a push to ideally a push to have more cycle lanes and stuff like that. Mm. But I can ride a bike. Yeah, I don't ride around. I don't ride into town. Yeah, because I'd have to ride down the Labridge Road. There's lots of there's lots of support for me riding literally around my house, mm. and then once I get down to the canal. Mm. But between my house and the canal, there's a giant road of screaming death, yeah. which I don't want to be anywhere near. And if there's less cars, I'd happily do it. Mm. Um, it would mean that I'd probably get arrested for cycling pissed, and it would take me about five hours to get home. But <laughs> but also, there's there's plenty of trains. It does get rammed, but you know you can get a train, you lazy bastards. Well, because they instead do. of parking in town, well, loads of people they no. do as well. No. Yeah, and there's um like they do use the tubes, they do use buses. I think he said taxi drivers will be exempt, black cabs okay. will be exempt, which is good because black cabs don't do the thing that Uber drivers do, which is rev their engines and sit there with their engines humming to keep the heating on because it's the only thing they can afford to eat. And so they're just <laughs> pumping out constant emissions yeah. or throwing bottles of piss into my garden, which I really hate. That's the latest thing that pisses me off with the really? gentrification of Walthamstow. That now we have um, people who work in the city living around here. Bottles of piss everywhere. Well, the, um, <laughs> and the and the drivers they sit around waiting for them. Like, ah, first I and that wakes that wakes me up pretty early when they park up, and then you just hear their engine just humming and their shitty music taste. And I'm just half asleep listening to Steve Allen just be really ranty and demented. That's how I sleep. I like that. Um, but yeah, when they they need a piss, they just piss into a bottle and then they just dump it out. Yeah. And that happens a lot. And like when you move to Walthamstow, you'll notice that. Because you don't get many city workers living around to in Broadway and then getting <laughs> cars sent for them. I assume. A lot of stabbings at taxi ranks, though. Does that make up for it? Um, well, we get stabbings around taxi ranks. Yeah. We get, so there, was that, there was that um by Westfield a while ago where I was coming out of... I don't know why I was in Westfield. I was probably buying something for Holly. Mm. And I was coming out and I was coming down to um, get the bus... There's those huge mass of people. I was like, oh, for fuck's sakes, what the fuck's happened here? I see a police call and it's like, oh, God, this is the most annoying thing ever. And then I saw the pool of blood. It's like, oh, oh shit, I'm a bad person. <laughs> um, but yeah that, that, yeah. yeah, that was every taxi rank, every bus stop. <laughs> and maybe if the emissions were worse, they wouldn't have the energy to stab. <laughs> maybe that'll be the thing that gets pushed. 
a fantastic, lethargic, docile population. <laughs> all slowly poisoned. Solve the NHS and welfare all in one go. I won't the NHS, because they'll be constantly in there. Everyone will be in iron lungs. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's yeah. a good thing. That it's a good thing. I just want, I, I, I mean, to be honest, like I, I wonder whether it's going to be because it's another thing where you're putting a fine on something, and I feel like the recent recent history of those kind of nudges just ends up showing that people will get around it and meet the kind of like the level of emissions will just rise again to meet it so they'll just pay it and yeah. it will just continue I do think it's one of those things that's like no this is a desperately serious problem you know this is not mm. just being stuck in traffic this is actually like kids being hospitalised it's about 900 kids yeah. hospitalised last year yeah. some, through um, breathing uh, the best thing to do food. with it is what's like the nicest times we've been in like around Oxford Street when it's like the nicest is when they yeah. pedestrianise it yeah and they do. They sometimes just do it for the whole day for like I don't know why. I never, I never pay attention to the guff as to why they've done it. But it's just nicer. Mm. And there's big sections of this city that you could just say yeah. no cars, yeah. unless it's a black cab or a delivery lorry. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where you just have to. That he's. I wonder whether he's got the stomach to take those more radical things. Yeah. If this this is obviously a step in the right direction, but I just wonder whether when he gets to the point where everybody's just grumbling and just paying it anyway and the emissions aren't going down mm. whether he is the kind of politician who so would actually say right okay we do seriously need to think about this mm. people are and whether he'll be supported by other by the government yeah because yeah. like um, the congestion charge which was a good idea mm. and then the Americans straight away said they wouldn't pay it because it's a tax it's like it's not tax but they've flat out refused to pay it Oh, it was and then, the uh, diplomats, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. then every, and then all the rest of the diplomats American like diplomats. went in as well. Yeah. It's like, well, no, we're not going to do it if America doesn't have to do it. And if Ken had had more balls, <laughs> I'd just clamp them, <laughs> clamp all of them. Start start taking their giant, absurd fucking cars. You see the cars in the fucking yeah. like, and it's quite brilliant when you see the difference in quality of diplomatic car. Because I was like, was there was one that almost hit me. There was like an Albanian one. I had to look it up on my phone what the weird symbol was oh, on the back. Oh, the of Albanian it. flag's awesome. Yeah, because I was like, red, What's that? it's that red flag with the like almost like Habsburg eagle. Yeah. on it, the yeah. black eagle. But then the American ones are just like tanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, Why would they need to be tanks? Who hates them? <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> even half their own population at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, also in the news this week. Um, there was something that people had sadly been predicting has been happening more and more often, but was kind of <laughs> totally predictable. Um, a young asylum seeker um, was beaten up in Croydon after he identified himself as an asylum seeker. I think the story was that a gang of people had gone up to him and said, where are you from? You know, that whole loaded mm. question. Um, and he said he was an asylum seeker. Mm. Man... Give him some training, poor kid. <laughs> it's going to be um, the first thing they're going to start. They yeah, start. right. Whatever you do, don't talk about your legal status. <laughs> but um, he put him in the hospital. I think how many people have been arrested? Did you say thirteen have 13 been charged? Have been charged. And he's seventeen. Yeah. And he had two people, two friends with him who ran away, which they're going to feel like shit. But yeah, otherwise, it'd be three people like, in hospital. I mean, you've seen, you've seen, uh, There was a similar kind of thing with um, because the male's outrage was um, mostly seemed to be targeted 
Ironically, because you know they've been such a uh, a trenchant supporter of asylum mm. seekers in the past. Always um, focused on the fact that uh, twenty people stood around while this happened. And I mean, you've been around fights. Mm. I've been around fights. When there's that many people, you just no, no absolutely. Like, like it's not at all surprising. Like, I'm not Stephen Zagal. I can't not, beat thirteen people. It's not an indictment of uh, of like our like. Uh, it's it in the mail. It turned into an indictment of our like uh, observer, like observer, like um, vicarious observer society, and it's like no, that no. never happened no. ever. And well, again, they didn't observe; they ran. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, the, there were people around. Oh, there were people watching. Oh, yeah. But he also had two friends. Yeah, and like I yeah, said, you've no, been in, you've no, been around no. those kind of situations. Like, yeah, that's explicable. It's not. No. Well, no, I've like the I, idea that that um, kind of somehow was the tack well, that they took. When not, those. Um, yeah. three arseholes mugged me outside the station oh yes yeah tried to mug me because I'm a drunken flailing badass <laughs> <laughs> you're like um, a drunken master yeah, yeah. Um, there were people walking past mm. I don't blame them mm. um, because yeah that's, that's what they like human behaviour yeah, it's, it's fairly fairly common but it's just the fact that they use that to kind of they were desperate for any angle on the story to avoid the obvious fucking conclusion that the hatred that they spread every fucking day well, yeah, and it, went back to the following day it's tied, has come home to roost. It's of tied course. to the fact that there you um when Joe Cox was killed when um, the bloke who killed Joe Cox when oh, he uh, was Ed Ma- Ed, Eddie Mayer? Yeah, when he was when he was sentenced, that was on page thirty six of the mail or something like that. Yeah. Um and it's because of that kind of culture though, like all the hate foreigners, hate the unseasonably tanned is all on page one. Yeah. And then White supremacist arsehole, so if they're even reported on at all, yeah, oh, they're just, mm. yeah. I mean, not to it's obviously not to excuse what they did in any way, but you literally told them they were stealing bread from your children's mouths, yeah. You told them that and they believed you and they acted on it, yeah. You fucking yeah. monsters, yeah. They're oh, and without seeming like you know, are oh, these are uh, poor, ill educated. No, I'm not that need saying... to be need to be helped. It's it's still that thing of the greater, well, not the greater responsibility, but some responsibility does lie with the people who are paid heavily, mm. heavily, to peddle this bullshit to distract from the real issues. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was particularly fucking revolted with Theresa May saying how she was, how disgusted she was of it, as if that. Van As if that she paid for go, to tr- the immigrants go home van. Yeah, which yeah. she, which she, I don't know if it went around Croydon, but it was around East London. Yeah, it was around Tower Hamlets and around uh, yeah. Um I don't know if it got around to Croydon, but you know, you can't. That's what happens. Yeah, that doesn't just stoke up people to go. Hmm, I should look into the issues of this EU thing. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awful. On to slightly lighter news, light blue news, um, oh, dark blue news. Oh yeah, it's dark blue news. Oh, that was such a good segue. Um, did you ever have one of the old passports? No. I did. Really? I did when I was really little because when it was like the my parents, when they were still together, took me to Yugoslavia. <laughs> That's the first holiday I went on and apparently all the Germans loved me because I was beautifully tanned with a shock of gorgeous Aryan hair and blue eyes. And I assume my dad only wanted to take me to countries that are run by a Soviet. It was a Soviet, was it? It was a yeah, communist. It was a communist, yeah. Yeah, it was a party communist. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is the news that um, the plans were already afoot to spend £500 million. £500 
500 million pounds to reinstitute the pre-EU um, blue passports, changing them from burgundy to dark blue. It is up for tender anyway. In two thousand nineteen, well, it was. It it was not so. It is up for tender, so it's going to be changed anyway. But um, the thing that it's like, I don't even care. I don't care what. This is the thing. I don't care what colour my fucking passport is, Mm. and I don't care that it's at the moment it says EU at the top. Um, My problem is all the people that really, really care. But like that, that does explain that explains Brexit perfectly. Brexit was a network of symbols mm. that made people vaguely uncomfortable because our political situation has kind of taught people to just look at symbols as if they are the real thing. Yeah. Of course it's of course it's the blue part. Brexit was about blue passports yeah. entirely because yeah. they represented the symbol of a bygone era to turn the clock back to. My main problem with the passport is now it's kind of the feels kind of cheap. I like my own passport had like a nice little book binding bit on the edge. Yeah. It was like a little book, and I liked that. Do you want your passport made out of vellum? Is that it? No, I just want it bound in goat skin, <laughs> covered in sigils. Like the Necronomicon. Yeah, just a bound screen, in human flesh. Human flesh and a screaming face. <laughs> Maybe that's what it'll be. It'll be um, the new dark blue passports will be bound in human flesh of a Ramona. <laughs> that's the passport they give you if you go to Falaraki more than, more than twice. <laughs> Instead of having a biometric chip, it will just... Wail a very specific tone that will be like, ah, so you're obviously British because no one could copy that. <laughs> Some of the stuff that, like, like they're not they're not idiots. They know like mm. the symbolism of this thing. Mm. But some of the um, the articles that came out about uh, why we should change to the blue passports were like, ah, it it represents a certain tradition. And I was taught to believe. I think this was um, beautiful Dan Hannon, handsome Dan Hannon. Yeah, who said uh, your your part? We used to believe that you were representing your country when you went abroad, and your passport was part of that. And it's like, yes, I believe that if we change the passports to deep blue, it will reflect what an ineffectual waste of cultural space the UK is. <laughs> well, it's like when I'm smashing up a Spanish bar off my head on fish bowls. Is he making out that? Yeah, it's big. The, the reason why people like drink a goldfish bowl full of Blue Lagoon <laughs> is because the passport isn't blue anymore. But also, the in like. In older times, the British conducted themselves better abroad. Was it the um, one of the founders of the SAS who went on a two-week drinking binge when he wasn't allowed to take leave? It was, um, it was, it was one. Of, it was a guy who was in. I think he was in the OSS. It's that Northern Irish guy. I know yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, he, he wanted to have time off to go to his dad's funeral. Yeah, they said no, and he went on a two-week drinking binge that ended with people like loads of people dead and like. Where was it? It was like it was somewhere like it was somewhere somebody... in Spain or Greece, and he smashed up about four bars <laughs> on a two-week drinking binge. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what the British do. It's why, realistically, they should have much tighter border controls on us going on holiday because we can't be trusted. I'm in fa- yeah, I'm in favour of border controls. <laughs> yeah. in our poison mist-filled little island. Yeah, well, some um, Julius Caesar said the same. <laughs> When he turned up here, we just drunk off our asses, half naked, painted blue. <laughs> we can't be trusted. <laughs> if there's ever like a thing that's indelibly British, it's not like Christian values. violence. It, yeah, it's it's random acts of violence, tattooing, <laughs> and getting smashed on anything, be it a blue lagoon in a fishbowl or some kind of fermented broth made from nettles and thistles. <laughs> Um, yeah, that... 
Casualised violence leads us quite nicely into our next story, Gibraltar. Ah, Gibraltar. My favourite monkey sanctuary. Yep. So this week um, it was mentioned that uh, Gibraltar would be part of the EU negotiations and that the EU would obviously be negotiating on behalf of its members, Spain, uh, against its non-members, the UK. And it's because of that that I have stopped drinking margaritas and I'm now drinking gin with bitter lemon because I'm not going to drink or eat anything that has a Spanish word in it. The lemon's British? My lemons are... Well, is, does bitter lemon have any lemons in it? <laughs> it has a lot of bitter. Oh, it's British yeah. then, there we go. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm not going to have anything with a Spanish word in it. Um, no more burritos. They're just... Now they're... I, I'm going to call them Patriot Wraps. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be filled with all the hearty produce that is native to Britain. So it's a plain white tortilla full of thistles. <laughs> Turnips and hedgehogs. Uh, yeah. So this negotiating tactic was taken way too far by uh, Michael Howard, who said that Theresa May should show the same resolve as Margaret Thatcher did over the Falklands. And then uh, Michael Fallon jumped in and said the uh, that Britain would go to all lengths to secure... Gibraltar's sovereignty and just like that we were back in the 19th century oh god that's so dumb because Louise Mensch she said that you know we should open fire on Spanish fishermen if they come too close to our colonies because that's what Gibraltar is as a colony and that is just stupid I don't want to go to war with Spain because also we know exactly what the perfidious Spaniard will do and that's he'll conscript all of our expats all of our grandparents Strap bombs to them, make them go out first. <laughs> and my dad's there at the moment. I love like a 70 year old career criminal digging trenches on the south coast. <laughs> no, the career criminals are all dead now. I don't think it's those kind of people that affects that are expats anymore. Um, no, I think you're more likely to find a career criminal living in like Whitstable or the Yard of Sheppey. Um, but yeah, like the, the very notion of like, okay, so we're gonna, it's like, oh, okay, Brexit. It's what I wanted, but it doesn't feel it doesn't quite scratch the itch. Maybe what I want is war with Europe. <laughs> just oh, it just fits like an old glove. Yeah. Oh. It's like hmm. And let's think. Last time we went to war with Europe, it all went swimmingly. <laughs> it's like three days. Yeah. It was three days after the Brexit announcement, which is the Article Fifty announcement. It just it doesn't take much for them to start. It's the British ruling class fulfilling their ancestral role. They read the histories of their ancestors and all of the wars that they took part well, in. And they they were jealous and they were lethargic and struck with a wave of <laughs> ennui that they had never gotten to ride a horse over a load of ships going to fight the Spanish Armada. Because that's what happened. I think... I'm, okay, poor thing, because I don't think everyone knows exactly why Gibraltar is ours. Yeah. Why is it ours? So, the War of the Spanish Succession in the early 1700s, Britain entered on the Habsburg side against the French. So we sided with Um, the people with the terrible, 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 terrible chins. Yep. We sided with the hereditary deformed monarchs. Yeah. um, Against the French. Yeah, as Um, is I want. Yep. We'll side with anyone against the French, really. as part of that, um, we seized the island of Gibraltar from the Spanish and got it in the Treaty of Utrecht which set out kind of how the Habsburgs and the French would relate to each other in the future. Like, it's 
It's a it's a simple. I mean, it was a a, a bribery thing. We helped the Habsburgs. They gave us. So in the seventeenth um, century, which French were we fighting? Uh, monarchical French, so like King Louis the blah, 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 blah. the Sun King, or was uh, it after way after the Sun King? No, it's before. Or before it's after the Sun King. It's after the Sun King. I just like saying yeah. that name is the. It's like, <laughs> if I was a monarch, I'd, I'd rather be that than you know so and so the bewitched. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what. Yeah, so that's why that's ours. Yeah, because. Is that the re- because well, because we fucking yeah. conquered it? That's exactly yeah. the that's exactly the reason. And either you're okay with that or you're not. I, yeah. I'll be perfectly honest. I really don't give a fuck about Gibraltar as a part of the UK. But I think to it's be not. fair, we should probably give um, Spain the Isle of Wight. <laughs> the thing is, or Land's End, just the, the, the just the tip, just the tip. <laughs> But the thing is, with like things like Gibraltar and the Falklands, the people there want to stay British because yeah. they are British. Um, because yeah. you know they're, they're like mainly expats I mean, and stuff I mean, like that. But no, no, the thing is, they're not part of Britain; they're just colonies. So just make them independent, and then yeah. let them re- like deal with the things. Yeah, I mean, the problem are, with Gibraltar they, is it is literally connected to the mainland yeah. of Spain, so it would be like giving them. Yeah, like the tip of land. <laughs> yeah, I mean they are all they're all they're already um, nominally independent in that they take UK law, but they have their own. Literally, they, it's called a chief executive. Yeah, they speak English and they there's an M and S there, and uh, there's um, the Royal Mail. Um, you can there's Royal you Mail can post offices. There, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, they're always like those places, like the Falklands, um, are always hyper patriotic because they're so far away. Yeah, and so they're tied like to, all expats. They're, yeah, they're tied to any bigger body politic is always the last thing they remember hmm. you know um, it's just that they, they, this came apparently came in response to um, Spain dropping its demand that an independent Scotland would have to reapply hmm. for admission into the EU that if Scotland went independent um, it would remain a member of the EU automatically so now Spain that, were up for that uh, Spain are now up for Scotland being automatically in the EU if they go independent. Because I thought Spain would be a bit more pissy about that because they have separatists. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, they also date each other. Like every big European country, everyone... Maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe, like, when they they have the... uh, When they calm down from their kind of... Yeah, their 18th and 19th century... uh, Their 18th and early 19th century kind of continental military, like, pop... Like, military... Based politics, yeah. they'll go to their late nineteenth century military-based politics, in which you promote a local elite to secede from the larger <laughs> empire, like they did in India. <laughs> oh, it's just so dumb. That's the thing; it's just so dumb. Because their, it, I suppose it's like their willingness to immediately go yeah. for that stuff. Well, yeah, because they are racist and they just want any excuse to start ranting and raving and tub thumping. They love tub thumping and they'd love a war with some good. Honest Europeans, because you know they the, want field battles. Yeah, they don't want kind of this bloodless um, bombing a wedding from forty thousand feet. No, they, they want, want trenches. They want art- like cavalry movements because <laughs> they're all fucking nerds as well. I could you just know, see all Jacob Rees-Mogg <laughs> polishing up his ancestral saber. Yeah, they're all fucking politics nerds, yeah. which means that frankly that disease is terminal. Yeah. So of course they had fucking like tabletop battle sets, and of course they can name like the uniforms of the different generations of hussars. 
sets. We have tabletop <laughs> battle sets as well, though. Yeah, that's different. Mm. Well, yeah, because... <laughs> it's not different. It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> no, it's different with me. I, I love orcs. Orcs are the best. And, <laughs> and that just, as I got older, transcended into my political beliefs <laughs> of painting things red to make them go faster and drinking everything. <laughs> Your politics depends on what tabletop army you choose. What battle system you choose. I think it probably does. So, you know, Warhammer, you're into metal. And, yeah, uh, yeah if, you like, if you like Space Marines, you're a quasi-Catholic fascist. Yes. And if you like orcs, orcs you become an anarchist. Yeah, that's, that seems about right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's about right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, Theresa May tried to calm it down later in the week um, by saying she wanted more jaw jaw, which is a reference to an old fucking Churchill quote about uh, less jaw jaw, more war war. Which again, symbols of the symbols that they attached to themselves is, of course, she picks out that nonsense Churchill quote. Not the one about rather seeing everyone dead in Ireland than see it ruled by the Irish. Yep. <laughs> oh, Churchill's the fucking worst. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's amazing how they seem to be able to make the... like. It doesn't matter what they're doing at the moment. They seem to be able to make... They seem to be able to turn it to their advantage. Mm. You know, they're making war and you've got all the crazy war warmonger, warmonger people mm. among the English commentariat. Yeah. Really going for them. And then yeah. they make peace and the liberals say, ah, oh, Theresa May, she'll calm things down. Immigrants go home van. <laughs> yeah. She's never calmed any situation down. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing the quickness with which they will, that they will all go to that. Mm. It doesn't bode well. doesn't bode well for the future. Yeah. I, I don't want to die in a war against Spain. Hugh. We're too old now. Yeah. We're too old to be conscripted. Yeah, but if it's a war against Spain, believe me, they'll reach us. <laughs> we'll just be we'll wipe them out with strategic use of eighteen thirty holiday battalions. <laughs> Utterly devastate their their important points of worship. The third fishbowl auxiliaries. <laughs> yeah. Well on the whole, those people stay away from things like the um I've forgotten what it's called. The really big beautiful cathedral in Barcelona. Oh, um, the Sagrada Familia. Familia. Yeah. Um, they normally stay away from that kind of thing because they don't serve fishbowls. Mm. But if we fuel them up with fishbowls and just point them at it, it will utterly destroy the morale of the Spanish people. Well, actually, it's the best thing about the, having a battalion of soldiers entirely made up of 18, 18 to 30 holidaymakers. They don't sleep. No, they don't. Right, they're so they really high don't. and so... And, you know, that's... They don't like, feel pain. I've seen those um, those documentaries yeah. where they've like a, a broken leg and they just keep on drinking. Yeah. I don't think they realise the super soldiers we've created <laughs> they're drunk yes but yeah. you know they know how to swing a baseball bat at a man who's unseasonably tanned <laughs> so that was the most immediately kind of infuriating Brexit news we've got a bit of a slower more creeping dread yeah worthy Brexit piece of news you promised um, me Brexit puns last week uh, Brexit puns. Because I said I didn't want to talk about Brexit. Um, hmm. That's going to be a difficult one. Um, you're going to have to come back to me. Tune in next week. I will probably have more Brexit puns. <laughs> a single Brexit pun. That's all I need. Anyway, go on. What's happening? <laughs> what, what are they doing to me? Donald Cuck. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well um, done. Um, alongside the actual Article 50 announcement uh, last week came the passing of the Great Repeal Bill, 
which is the legislative... Yeah, you've fallen asleep already, I know. But <laughs> the legislative instrument that they're going to use to get all the EU law and make it British law. Okay. Yeah? So... So I assume they're just going to tick it because all of it was just fine anyway. Yeah, they were mainly... There's nothing in there that a good fucking neoliberal capitalist wouldn't support. Yeah. Um, It's the instrument they're going to use to make all of these... All of the EU directives and regulations into British law. Um, There's roughly about 50,000 pieces of EU legislation. There's probably some gold in there. That's incorporated, yeah, into into British law. Yeah. Um, and so, obviously, in order to actually pass that through, pass it through Parliament, make it British law, would be, would take decades. It would take, yeah. like, a century. Well, it's a lot, of, a lot of stuff. It's just a, a massive amount of material. I assume it's in there where it says things like, we're not allowed to celebrate Easter or call Christmas Christmas. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's in there that you get the uh, Christmas being re- renamed Winterville. Yeah. Um, and all the Sharia laws are in there. That's why it's so big. Ah. Yeah, that's that's where the halal chocolate is. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Sadly, I understand all this leaving Europe thing. <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying, but it's very appealing. <laughs> um, their idea to get around this massive hurdle is that what they're going to do is make a lead, what they call a snapshot of EU laws, bring them all immediately into British law, and then amend, repeal, or pass them. Now... Pass them in Parliament, yes. No. David Davis was questioned on it this week, and he said he'd be using what's called secondary legislation to pass it. Now, primary legislation is just the laws they vote on. Okay. Secondary legislation are the bits that they use to amend it that the government just does anyway. Yeah. Um, they're going to be passing all these laws and then using secondary legislation to amend and repeal them. That's incredibly fucking dangerous. Did David Davis say this after swinging through the windows wearing a red beret at the head of a death squad? <laughs> Because it sounds a lot like emergency powers. <laughs> he literally described it in the same way as Senator Palpatine described <laughs> the temporary laws in uh, Star Wars 2 Attack of the Clones. I will put down these powers as soon as... <laughs> yeah. That... yeah. He, he says they're temporary, that it will be temporary powers that the government will give up. But basically it means a lot of these EU... Yeah. He I promised know. to give them up. He promised to give them up. <laughs> yep. Why is it that... (laughs) Did he give this edict from a throne? (laughs) A throne of skulls. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, I can confirm this power will be time limited and Parliament will need to be satisfied that the procedures in the bill for making and approving the secondary legislation are appropriate. Hmm. Hmm. Is this where they're going to bring back smoking? Hopefully. <laughs> bring, bring back smoking in pubs. I'd be dead of it the I wink. don't think... It, that wasn't a, a piece of EU law. That was a... That was a, a, a... Kind of recommendation that they'd made. That they passed in Parliament. Mm. Like, no one's going to vote against it. That's what Nigel Farage said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it basically means that a lot of the laws that we take for granted, like employment rights, mm. um, temp, like temp workers... Banking regulations, fantastic, are going to be subject to the whim of the government rather than Parliament. Now, like Parliament's not a great check on it because it's an antiquated, it's out of date, fairly pretty undemocratic um, body anyway. Parliament's never been that in favour of regulation of the banking sector, but the current Tory government 
are significantly less in favour of banking regulation. When has a Tory ever given up that kind of power? When they voted that kind of thing in, mm. anti-terror legislation, I mean, any government really. I mean, well, no, they, they Labour with the anti-terror legislation, you know, yeah, used it all the time, stopped suspects seeing their lawyers, things yeah. like that, renditioning people. Yeah. They've always used it kind of creatively. Mm. But have you ever heard of any Tory government giving up that level of that level of decision making? Well, it's, it's one no skew more anarchist. No person in power ever gives up. No. Whatever new toy they've been given. Hmm. I mean, like, there's been people describing this, and I don't think it's entirely inaccurate. It's inaccurate. It's essentially, it's a coup. If, yeah. if Chavez had voted himself, had uh, had Parliament approve more powers for the presidential um, office, hmm. while he was in power, the British press would have decried it as a coup. Yeah. And they would have said it's uh, it's it's uh, on the road to dictatorship. Well, it's what. But they Erdogan, never use that fucking language what, about their own country. It's what Erdogan's ever. doing now, but he's putting it to a vote. Yeah, <laughs> Erdogan's doing exactly the same thing: getting yeah. rid of time limit, term limits, yeah. things like that. It's it's fucking insane, and it's even more insane when you consider that Theresa May wasn't elected as prime minister. I know no. people will say like, "Oh, well, it's the leader of the party who gets the most MPs." Right? Yeah, um, but I, I I don't like that. I don't. We li- vote for leaders. No, well the thing we is, do vote well, no, for the thing is, I actually know I'm more on the side of it's not that big a deal, like that we didn't vote specifically for her. What I think is the mm. big deal though is well, for example, like when um Gordon Brown took uh, took over after Tony Blair. Yeah, Gordon Brown was always the de facto second in command. Mm-hmm. Tony Blair had had enough and he fucked off. Yeah, and then Gordon Brown took over. That didn't really need to go out to a, a vote. Theresa May wasn't the de facto second in command and a really big, horrific thing happened and then she took power. Yeah. And now she's given herself more power. Yeah. That's more of an issue. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just interesting how far you can actually go down with, like I say, this really undemocratic state, mm. um, a really undemocratic Supreme Court, the largest, um, I think it's like the largest unelected um, government uh, chamber in the world. In the House of Lords, fantastic. Um, and it's like, how much more kind of undemocratic stuff can you pile on top of this undemocratic shit heap? Yeah. Before, like anybody starts to actually properly shout about that, because that's very, very bad. Well, it seems that what we're building towards now, what the red, white, and blue Brexit is properly going to be, especially with like Theresa May going off to Saudi, um, Liam Fox was in, I can't remember the name of it, East Asian country with the president who boasts about people that he's killed. And oh, yeah, he, he went to meet Duerte, didn't he, in yeah. the Philippines? Yeah, yeah um, he was saying, like, you know, he said he wanted to burn, to burn the UN to the ground. Also, he claims to have personally executed 20 yeah. people. Yeah, um, <laughs> it seems what we're going, what a red, white and blue Brexit is, is fully going back to the days of your rip-roaring japes where we're an... A well, not amoral. We're literally evil. Yeah, just we're selling, the bad guys. Yeah, we're the bad guys selling the best thumb screws. Yeah, and the best surface-to-air missile system. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just ugh, I, I don't mean, want you to know be that. Back. You know, one of the things. I mean, I saw uh, David Starkey talking about this as well. How that man is still on TV, I've no idea. But um, he was talking about how the well, of course, and they and naturally, of course, the liberal media have kind of uh, taken this as um, 
uh, a narrative to spin. This is actually the second Brexit, because the first Brexit was Henry VIII when he split from the Church of Rome. Strange that a man who spent his entire life studying the Tudors will draw everything back to the Tudors. <laughs> I mean, they've called, they've called these powers, the powers given in the Great Repeal Bill, they've called them Henry VIII powers. Oh, and they're f- just repeating this like it's like, oh yeah, no, that's fine. But so, hang on, Impor- important thing, Henry VIII invented the concept of secret police. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> of all the, you know, so maybe, <laughs> just, also the Henry VIII stuff, do, is that the, the real, like, parallel we want to draw? Like, it is, it's apparently, like, yeah. yeah. But it's like, so it's, so fundamentally, it's the difference between Shelbyville and Springfield. <laughs> Of, we just wanted a town where we could marry our cousins. <laughs> and we're the Shelbyville in this. <laughs> I don't want to be Shelbyville. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It, it's just what, oh yeah, you signed away like any kind of uh, democratic oversight. Oh yeah, alright. If I was in a different place, in a different time, in a different political position, I would... You know, laugh my guts out at the hypocrisy of small state, supposedly small state conservatives yeah. in the greatest kind of power grab, state power grab that there's ever been yeah. in Britain. But it's beyond that. It's just a basic kind of, you can't call yourself democratic. No. You can't no. call yourself democratic. You could barely call, call the Houses of Parliament democratic before. You definitely can't now. No. If you're not voting on legislation, what the fuck are you there for? They're not no. even going to be in that building. They're going to have to move on because the House of Parliament is crumbling. The actual building itself is crumbling. Where are so they going to move into? Because um, like, I don't they're... know if they've even planned was... it. Yeah, because they were still thrown up in the air, like moving to, like mm. to whatever city. But that ain't happening. You can oh, guarantee no, they'll that ne- they'll never, they'll no, never they... do that. They should, but mm. they never do. Well, I'd, de- I'd like to move Parliament. That's... I've, uh, Gibraltar. Gibraltar. <laughs> Move it to Gibraltar with the monkeys. They can go with the monkeys and they can stay there. Because, I, oh, fucking, I don't want them around. Yeah, Gibraltar should be returned to its natural inhabitants, its original, <laughs> aboriginal inhabitants, the monkeys. Yeah. yeah. It's so hollow. I don't like this Tory government. Yeah. <laughs> They're not exactly. a good it's government. Like, it's, at some point, it kind of, you run out of words. Yeah. But I mean, I think it does. It's it's definitely a focusing point for the left because I mean, there there are certain hardcore um, uh, people I've heard talk and write and tweet and whatever um, about that the Brexit was the chance for them to get rid of kind of the neoliberal establishments of the EU and have a left wing Brexit. So it's like ah, finally we can. It's like yeah, you're not very good at reading like the political weather. Mm. Really, are you? Yeah. <laughs> it's no. like everything's on fire, and it's like, ah, finally, state control of the railways. <laughs> what well, if the thing is, it's like, even then, it's like, ah, oh, maybe with Brexit it can get a bit better. And it's like, it wasn't the EU that made us savage firemen's pensions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that being a particular edict from the EU. <laughs> I mean, there's actually there's so much legislation. Um, uh, affected by this yeah. this repeal bill, that I that it's actually it's pretty difficult to unpick it exactly what what will be affected. I mean, it, it affects so much. Well, eventually it'll be like food film. standards, yeah, like well, I say, the, employment. The food standards thing will drive will, will drive me insane um, because yeah of my obsessive compulsive nature and yeah I don't want the food standards that we have in, that they have in America mm. and 
there's like British farmers bitch about EU farming directives mm. that then on main, in mainland Europe on the whole they don't tend to follow mm. and that is kind of true yeah. on the whole they sure. don't tend to follow it but um, the solution to that isn't to get rid of the quite high standards that we're working to yeah which are already not high enough in my eyes. But, you know, I'm... <laughs> For, I am, you know, food. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's, um... I Car- <laughs> food and air. The two... The two... Yeah, and it's like, Themes of this week. It's not even, like, um... The fact that I'm a vegan things, like, I want them to be nicer to animals. It's the people... People are going to eat meat. I yeah. can't physically stop them. Yeah. I'd like them not to eat diseased meat from animals that were pretty much tortured their entire lives and then treated utterly shit as they died and that's that'll probably be what happens they'll probably they'll like they'll deal with like we talked on a previous episode about how the vet stuff yes and there'll be less vets and then so you know you need a vet in an abattoir what's the vet and they just say you don't need a vet in an abattoir anymore and it will be it will get real bad real fast and it's like it's still in our memory things like foot and mouth yeah um, mad cow disease I don't want to watch pictures of massive piles of animals being executed and burned. Yeah. And it will be people eating diseased meat mm. again. And it's just going to end real badly. Mm. And that will be a really instant thing. And it will be a thing that will be really hard to push back on. Yeah. So it seems, it seems like there's nothing that they can do that actually... The opposition to them is so spread out mm. and unfocused... Like yeah. they'd they'd sooner most liberals right up to kind of even the centre left would rather focus on getting rid of Jeremy Corbyn and yeah. having a liberal a liberal centre left guy be in charge of Labour and everything be normal again mm. rather than focusing on getting getting Theresa May out, which is their supposedly their stated aim for hating Jeremy Corbyn in the first place. Well, the thing is, I don't think we'd want. Okay, it would be nice to have. An election and then a left-wing government, yeah. obviously. <clears throat> but in the meantime, it would be nice for us to have a choice about the laws that govern the country. Yeah, and that's the basic thing that it's it's infuriating. That's it's disgusting, and it is. It's a it's a coup. Yeah, it's one of the one of the um, the main ones that a lot of people are trying to get clarification on because, mm. like with everything, they haven't given clarification, well, no, they, which well, automatically makes you makes you nervous because you know that they will interpret it in the way that they well, want, rather than the way that's in the interest of the actual people. One of the instruments that they're actually talking about is um, the European Commission on Human Rights, and yeah, one of the things mm. that um, I think it was the Home Secretary said was. Um, we have no plans to leave the European Court of Human Rights. And someone suggested, could you just say that you're going to def- to remain a member of the yeah. European Court of Human Rights? And she was like, I don't have to say that. But you do. And it's like, no, you do, because you literally wanted to repeal the Human Rights Act mm. not a year ago, two years ago. I- <laughs> and it will be nice to see if a government supports... Sadiq Khan in trying to clean air quality for a way that isn't just paying for children to clean the chimneys. <laughs> and if they get rid of the European Human Rights Act, there's, I bet you there are people in the Tory, in the, there are Tory MPs, mm. and there's definitely Tory Lords that, that would, yeah, they wouldn't have a problem with children working. Yeah, well, they would say it would be like the same as unpaid interns. It's yeah. decent experience. 
preparing them for the workplace. <laughs> it, it wasn't isn't that long ago. It's still in our like I mean, my dad worked as a child. He was a child labourer <laughs> in a mine. Yeah. I think most of those, um, the kind of child labour laws... And he was a child labourer in a mine, I think, under the Labour Party as well. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I'm trying to think. The 50s? I mean, when in the 50s? Because they were out in, like, uh, no, it would, it would 50, the, 51. Would have been the early 60s. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was 63 was the election of Labour. But anyway. Labour were back in it's, There are still people alive now. Yes. Who were child workers. Mm. And I bet you the Tories would love child workers again. Yeah. It just it's just more obfuscation about Brexit. Don't no one knows really what we're gonna end up having to fucking it's, do. It's weird. And that only I've, benefits the people in I, charge. I've, I've kind of swung round on the oh they just it's just because they don't know what they're doing. I always think that that's a dangerous position to take on anything. Yeah. Is that assuming the people in charge like it's why I hate most kind of political satire at its root. I think it's funny. Mm. It can be funny. But it's why I hate a lot of that political satire where the people are portrayed as incompetent and stupid. Yeah. Because it lets them off the hook. It's saying that it's a natural process that people are all stupid. It's like, no, sometimes people are malicious and evil and want different things from you. Mm. They want different things from what they're doing. And also, it's that thing of um, that poor kid who was beaten Mm. into, into hospital. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether the people putting forward the racist bullshit were malicious or incompetent. Mm. To him, it felt the same. Mm. And so it doesn't matter. That's the thing. That's why I get annoyed with satire as well. It doesn't matter if they're stupid. Yeah. It wouldn't matter if they were literally the Emperor from Star Wars. Yeah. Or just idiots. They're still doing the same thing. They're doing wrong things. Yeah. You know, I even hate that analogy now that I think about it because it's playing into that exact same game yeah. of they'll somebody will do like Theresa May in a hood. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, she's just like Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but she passed the bill, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> it's um it's it's gone I think yeah, it just feels like it goes from a kind of chaotic uh in, like portrayal of incompetence to an actual very like like I say, dangerous situation. Mm. Where we're gonna we're gonna end up with no oversight. What little oversight we have once every four years, we're not even gonna have that on five the majority years. of this. Uh, once every five years, sorry, um, we're not even gonna have that. Yeah, and can you see any Tory, any Tory wanting to keep any workers' rights right, no. laws? I, David Davis says, "Oh, don't worry. Uh, don't worry. Employment rights are." are uh, guaranteed for both employers and, and business it's going to be uh, business as usual and don't like, worry darling that also, yeah. don't worry darling I'll pull out you won't get pregnant yeah, yeah. fucking bullshit yeah it's fucking nonsense never and, pull out yeah <laughs> <laughs> and of course it doesn't solve the uh, the the main problem of the, the kind of hard right emboldened by all this is not going to get what it wants because no. all those EU laws are still going to be on the books yeah exactly the same thing yeah and they, their problem, their fake problem, hasn't gone away. No. It's, yeah. Okay, we're now moving on to our final section. Um, we were thinking of a name for this, and I think I've come up with a pretty good one. So, Hugh, make me forget my troubles. All right. I'm going to talk about a great man, a noble man, yep. Simon Heffer. Oh, fantastic. Right, so the Spectator, Telegraph, <laughs> formerly the Mail... 
I like um, him already. A joke in Alan Partridge. <laughs> oh, the uh, I've got to read Simon Heffer on the veranda. <laughs> yeah. Um, Simon Heffer is he's an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, an he, older white man writing for the Telegraph. Are you sure? Yeah. That's what you should um, for. He. There's a lot of things that's wrong with this man. Um, social and constitutional conservative. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Let me just get my checklist out here. Uh, so, yeah. Supported the retention of Section 28. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, opposed the liberalisation of laws on abortion and divorce. <laughs> Important note, yep. he's an atheist. <laughs> as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so so like, he, likes, he likes the kind of, like, the social tyranny of religion, yeah. but doesn't particularly like the kind of practice. But like, he has a problem with the um, like the, the equalisation of the age of consent because he, I assume, because he just thinks gays are weird. <laughs> <laughs> they're just odd, not for any religious reason, which is shitty anyway. But just because, because, um, <laughs> gay men need more, you know, uh, t- tutorials and uh, learning before they can fuck. <laughs> Blame the sower murders. Straight people just seem to take to it like that. <laughs> Blame the sower murders on liberal society. <sighs> yep. Um, he in '95 he threatened to resign from the Mail if it supported John Major in its leadership contest mm-hmm. because he supported John Redwood. Okay. Okay, John Redwood, an important like the only important real quote of John Redwood's is this one. Yep. Which was about how date rape isn't the same as normal rape. Yeah. None of us want men to rape women, but there is a difference between a man using unreasonable force to assault a woman on the street and a disagreement between two lovers over whether there was consent on one particular occasion. <laughs> I'm kissing. My, I'm kissing my fingers so hard right now. <laughs> mwah, mwah. I just like the fact that it's like, yeah, uh, it's different if it's in public. <laughs> <laughs> people can see well he believes it's because people can see yeah um, believes that Christianity should have a strong strong role in shaping both the moral oh. foundation of society and public policy even though he's an atheist yeah he's okay. one of those who thinks that, that people are nice because of of the Ten Commandments yeah he likes like I say he likes the social and political tyranny side of religion but doesn't yeah. like the peace and love live together uh, side of religion that involves him actually changing anything Yep. Neo, there's a lot. There's a strong um, tendency for that in neoliberalism. Um, Leo Strauss, um, the kind of philosophical head of neoliberalism, was like that. Mm. I mean, I think he uh, he was kind of uh, what we need are great myths in yeah. society in order to stabilise it. So actually, you shouldn't be religious, but the <laughs> sheep should be. <laughs> well, it's, um okay. So, like, very recently, and this is why he came back into my mind. Yeah. He wrote an article for the Telegraph. Now that we have to be a sovereign nation again, we must bring back imperial units. Oh, it's the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, the blue passports, Gibraltar, and imperial measurements. Yeah, it's beautiful. And imperial measurements are dumb. I like. Okay, you're not particularly good at math, so not really. No. Um, most, I think, all of my friends are really bad. I'm, I'm very good at maths. Yes. I'm very good. I did A-level physics. I did very well. I'm very good at maths. Yeah. Imperial measurements are bullshit and really hard to work out on the fly. <laughs> They're 
appalling because it's not even mass it's code it's a stupid it's like oh hey you've just walked into a specific area here's a whole new set of algebra algebra to learn listen i get five drams to the hogshead and that's the way i like it exactly it's fucking (laughs) bullshit and it i like things that are measured in hands well like the original complaints about that about like moving to metric Mm. was mainly old butchers who were terrible at maths and didn't want to have to learn the new code originally it was like people wouldn't get it and it's like how do people learn anything What's a farthing? Yeah, yeah. What is a farthing? Uh, farthing is a time in a young boy's life. Um, <laughs> I know it's like, because um, they still use Imperial for a couple of things like um, horse racing. Or like, furlongs and yeah. things like that. What the f- Like, my, my dad's a gambler. He likes yeah. horse racing. He's, I've asked him so many times, Dad, what the fuck's a furlong? And yeah. he's like, and he explains it to me and each time just goes... The other side of the yeah. it's just another it's another form of measurement that doesn't add up it mm. doesn't add up to anything you can't scale it up if like you can't go like 500 micro furlongs yeah. that's well, why yeah. uh, standard measurements are the way they are yeah it's it, go let's go back to shillings and groats yeah well, let's go back to three columns of money <laughs> three but the thing is based I, on which shape of coin you have I can guarantee that Simon Heffer was if he was alive during the Opium War, he would have fought the Chinese gov- the Chinese ruling classes. Adherence to the silver teal was <laughs> disgusting and anachronistic, <laughs> even though it's exactly the same. If you don't know, um, a, a silver uh, tail was like um, a particular moulding of um, silver bar, which stacked it's like recently, a horseshoe. It was yeah, kind Not of like, like a horseshoe, like a like a shoehorn. Yeah, it was almost like yeah, like a little boat kind of shape. Hmm. Um, and it's stacked, but, but it obviously stack well. is also insane. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of things of dynastic China, it was insane. Yeah. But our our cure to it was not much better <laughs> of massive opium addiction. It makes a lot more sense when you've taken a shitload of opium. Yeah. Well, they were doing it before we even like got them all on opium. Mm, not quite as much, because it doesn't really grow in uh, China. There's no. part, of the, part of the thing was that, I mean, yeah, obviously... Well, no, what I said is obviously they, 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 they did been, it before they were all hopped up on opium. Yeah, obviously, oh, what, the silver standard? Yeah, they, well, oh, they did, right, their, okay, stupid, sorry, they did yeah, their stupid yeah. silver horseshoe before we got them all yeah, hooked yeah, on yeah, opium. Yeah, sorry, sorry we I thought we were talking about the opium bit, that's fine. Yeah. What I'm saying is, once you're hooked on opium, imperial measurements make a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he's he's a bit of a fucking bellend. But... um what I wanted to read was he's written two articles yeah. about the declining standards mm. of British male dress. <laughs> one in 2010 and one in 2005. And the one in 2005 is just delightful, so I just wanted to read it to you. <laughs> this will make you laugh. Okay. We all know that life under the Blair Terror can be pretty grim. <laughs> Blair Terror. By beginning I to didn't know he lived in <laughs> Afghanistan at the time. It's a very bold move for a conservative. But I'm beginning to fret about the increasing signs of collapse in national morale. I do not refer ah. to the well-documented exodus of Britons to live abroad, or to us, because you know Britain's empty now. Yeah. Um, but I, also, uh, subsequently, it's also too full. Yeah. <laughs> I do not refer to the well-documented exodus of Britons to live abroad, or to us. Or to our sense of defeat in the face of rising crime and seemingly unlimited taxation. Or even to the semi-formal establishment of the Church of England as an arm of the light entertainment industry. (laughs) 
I, have... I switch on my TV five o'clock on a Sunday uh, just to get my you know weekly fix of you know my favourite sermons. <laughs> I refer, of course, to the demolition of our pride and self-respect to the extent that many, even quite civilized men, can no longer bring themselves to dress appropriately when they go out in public. I fucking love that stuff about national morale. Yeah. As well, aside from it being tied to clothing, national morale is what they always want. They bring out when they want to say something bad, bad for you, but also <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> this topic has been of great interest to old boars for most of the last century. We recall, for example, Wait, old boars or old boars. <laughs> We recall, for example, His Late Majesty King George V's, His Late Majesty. I do recall that. Yeah. I do recall that. His, his stinging rebuke to Lord Birkenhead, a picture of whom the King saw one morning in a newspaper. Birkenhead had been summoned from the country to attend an emergency cabinet meeting on a bank holiday, but was wearing a rather smart, and was wearing, wearing a rather smart tweed suit. The King was outraged that one of his ministers should be seen in London attired in such fashion. There were, then there was, the Hanoverians were well known for their lax dress code. Well, it's it's an extension of <laughs> I don't know if if you heard the never brown never brown in town. Mm-hmm. It's that bullshit. Then there was Evelyn Waugh, who took the splendid step of writing to every man who attended his daughter's coming out ball wearing a black tie to upbraid them for not wearing a white one. These may be taken as extreme representations of the concern. No! <laughs> but in the last Do few you years. Think? <laughs> but in the last few years, the lowest common denominator has taken a serious plunge downwards. <laughs> okay, countdown to him talking about how jeans are too low. <laughs> or men or women. Anything. I'll take it. I think it's better than that. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Sitting in one of the plusher seats at Covent Garden the other night, uh, thanks to the generosity of a friend, I could not help but notice... Was his friend his employer? Because <laughs> Simon Heffer has been a top columnist for fucking years and he can afford to go to Covent Garden. Yeah. Um, well, I think by Covent Garden he means going to the opera. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> I could not help but notice the general dishevelment of many of those around us. A fair proportion of the men in the audience were, like me, in dark suits and ties, either because they had come from work or because they quite correctly regarded a visit to the to a grand opera as an event. Many others, though, had no tie. Yet others had no suit or tie. Some were wearing what could best be described as polyester jerkins. <laughs> <laughs> like they'd come straight from the fields. <laughs> I can't believe these field hats. <laughs> it may be that if you have to, if you've had to spend £175 on a ticket for the opera you cannot afford proper clothes in which case I most I would almost applaud such people's priorities sadly I suspect that what we were witnessing was yet another manifestation of the I just can't be bothered demoralisation of modern Britain okay important bits there <laughs> first off of course he has to slip in the cost because yeah. he's boasting about how yeah. much money he has £175, I would not imagine, is a lot for a man like him. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. Have Have you ever... Would you spend £175 on a gig? Because that's essentially what it is. I mean, like... A gig for a cover band, because that's what the opera is. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you do that? No. Would you spend £175... Okay, if I said right now hmm. that Tool's new album is coming out in a week and they're doing a gig... Tonight, it's starting in an hour. £175, we can go. 
Would you pay that? No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would like to, but I wouldn't. No, because there's more important things to spend more money on, yeah. like polyester jerkins. Look, <laughs> <laughs> piece of shit. Okay. There used to be such a thing as a sense of occasion, and those participating in the occasion, whether it be a night at the opera or an invitation to dinner or to a religious ceremony, would avoid insulting their hosts or diminishing the event itself by not turning up for it dressed as if for an afternoon in the garden or at the dog track. Because that's his, his, that's his image in his head of like the working classes are always at the dog track. Yeah. Or the down there fucking allotments. <laughs> that now seems to have gone by the board. Formality at, re- at recreational occasions is regarded as utterly absurd, as it should be. Yeah. And indeed, conservatism of dress in the workplace is now increasingly frowned upon as indicating a range of unsavoury attitudes, including a hidebound mentality, political incorrectness and class consciousness. Have you ever seen any of the YouTubers who talk about political correctness? They're not dressed in suits. Lots of them are not dressed in suits. Mm. <laughs> I went to a wedding recently. Oh, I went to a wedding recently, yeah. at which the groom didn't wear a tie, mm-hmm. even though the male guest did almost to a man. Mm-hmm. The groom is, however, at the cutting edge of the public relations industry, so this lapse could be explained away by the fact of his conformity with his tribe. <laughs> Getting a slight digging oh he's a piece of shit I then attended a country christening hosted by a well-to-do family boasting again yeah it being a Sunday in rural East Anglia I chose appropriately I thought the sort of tweed suitings favoured by Lord Birkenhead to find that the only other man in the large congregation to do so was the grandfather of the family Everyone else, though participating at full throttle in a joyous occasion, appeared to have dressed not for that momentous event, but for the reading of the papers that preceded it, and the happy hour or two at the saloon bar that would come later. The saloon! Not even the lounge bar! For having for having got this wrong, I blamed my atheism. If I attended routine services of the Anglican Church more often, I would no doubt have realised long ago that regular worshippers no longer regard church as something that merits the bringing out of the Sunday best. Okay, first off, so he's going off to East Anglia to wear, and he's wearing his tweed suit, yeah, and he's showing off. Yeah, he's exactly the kind of prick that, because um, I used like used to be that Christmas would spend with my girlfriend's fa- well, girlfriend, my wife's family at the <laughs> yeah. farm, her parents' farm, and we'd go to a pub on Boxing Day, and there'd be you know stuff happening yeah. and all that kind of bullshit. Um, but you definitely see the. The rich people who don't normally go to the countryside. Yeah, which they're is all in the wax jackets, the roads really thick cable knit jumpers. Yeah, the thing that and my... The, um, uh, those checkered shirts with the tie. Well, the thing that my... It's just um, like Alan Partridge when he goes to Norfolk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The thing that my mother-in-law always got really annoyed about is they're always wearing Hunter wellies, mm-hmm. the really expensive wellies, mm. but they're immaculate. And they're immaculate <laughs> Range Rovers. Well, yeah, because they're pre Because they're not farmers. Yeah, because they're, they're just, fucking pre Yeah, they're buying their costume. Yeah. And that's all Simon Heffer is. He's I buying love, his costume. I, and Simon Heffer describing it as a tribe. As if people go, who go to the opera on the reg are not a specific tribe. Yeah. Everybody's a tribe except the thing that I do. Yeah. <clears throat> it has never occurred to me in nearly 25 years of working in London to turn up at my place of work or to a business lunch without being properly dressed. Our greatest living playwright, Ronald Harwood, noted recently that his mother had told him... Always to wear a tie when out in London, as it as it is the as it is the respect of a man to show, oh God, as it is the respect a man shows to a great city. Perhaps, 
perhaps <laughs> I Mr. dress in exactly the way London desire, deserves well the thing is okay important thing there Ronald Harwood is not our greatest living playwright <laughs> at all not even in this like you don't I don't. I don't. Know. I you don't go to the theatre. You don't. Well, I. I don't go to the theatre that much because yeah. it's really expensive. I. Yeah. I read a lot. Mm. I read a lot of plays. I like reading a play. It's reading a play is one of the best things to read when you're on a train journey that's about an hour and a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And our greatest living playwright is probably Martin McDonough. He's yeah. awesome. I imagine that my disagreement. <laughs> About playwrights are just the slightest part of my disagreements with Simon <laughs> ever. But yeah, so Ron- really playing on his ter- on his <laughs> on his field. Yeah, well, Ronald Harwood, um, he wrote Pianist. Oh, the Roman Polanski film. <laughs> um, well, he worked. Yeah, he worked on. Um, he wrote the screenplay for Oliver. Okay. The Roman the Roman Polanski Oliver. Do you mean Oliver? The film is in with a little bit. Of yeah. Luck. Yeah, the, do you know the yeah the Roman Polanski Oliver with the perfidious Jew? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he's terrible, and also the respect that London deserves. Fuck this city. I love this city. It's my favourite city, but respect that it deserves. Fuck off. When London's air stops poisoning me, then I might. <laughs> I'll dress in a suit. Then no, London doesn't want me to wear a suit because do you know what. It's not a person. It's an inanimate group of buildings and people. Exactly. Okay. Especially hmm. the people. <laughs> perhaps, Miss, perhaps Mr. Harwood and I have both insulated ourselves too much from the utter lack of greatness of London and have failed, think- <laughs> have failed to comprehend that the meanness of its streets, the shabbiness of its buildings and the lack of ambition in its atmosphere now drive people <laughs> to dress meanly and shabbily and without aspiration. Has this fucker ever been around the city of London? Like, there's a lot of suits there. Yeah, yeah, there's too People many. People still wear fucking suits. Yep. Do you know why they wear suits? Because they're asked to. Yeah. Because it's part of their job. Unless you regularly attend a gentleman's club, and there are campaigns in some of them to scrap the rule about wearing a tie, you can go through quite a smart life in London without being smart at all. I imagine by gentleman's club he is referring specifically to, like, spearmint rhinos. <laughs> yeah. They've got a very strict dress code. Yeah. Um, I have now become inured to seeing men without ties in very grand restaurants, where the bill for two equates to about the average weekly wage. Fucking hell. Oh my god. At first I used to think that they were ill, or quite possibly foreign. (laughs) But now I realise the truth. They can't be bothered anymore. (laughs) Fucking brick. Is he? He's he's totally projecting. He's describing this to himself because I refuse to believe if he's this bothered about suits. This is not the first like one of these articles he's written. I'm just. He's literally who Alan Partridge wants to be, <laughs> and that's the most scathing indictment well, no, of a person I can possibly well, think no, of. Because the whole point of the Alan Partridge um, character is that he gets burned by London and goes back to Norfolk, mm. and he's complete. Um, he's like a uh, provincial. Yeah. Like, he plays up that... Like, uh, oh, yeah, but he, he wishes he was that, Simon Heffer. He plays he wishes... up that character. Simon Heffer has lived and worked his entire life in London. I don't know if he lives in London. Where does he live? Um, Find his address. <laughs> Find his address. Find his phone number. Um, um, let's see. Okay, I'll read this next this next paragraph, and then you can yeah. tell me where he's from. Um, or is that always the truth? Is it not also the result of ideological terrorism by levellers in high places? 
I had a very stimulating life. Ideological terrorism, yep. not wearing a tie. Yep. But I'd, isn't ideological terrorism making you wear something that you Making you wear a tie. Have, making you wear a tie. Which, bear in mind, I hate suits. Mm. I hate shirts and ties. I hate actually shirts well, in general. Well, we... I hate shirts and ties. Well, it is something... It's entirely decoration. Well, we went... Our school, like... We had a uniform card that was yeah. signed if our uniform wasn't perfect. Yeah. With a perfect tie knot, yeah. perfect blazer. I got a signature on my uniform card for having too many things on my inside pocket and it ruined the line. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, I had a very stimulating lunch with a friend from the BBC not long ago and he arrived at the ver- rather swish restaurant, Tireless, boasting again. Since he had always hitherto been impeccably attired, I inquired politely after his health. Because <laughs> he must have, you know, had cholera or something. <laughs> You've had a stroke, you're not wearing a tie. <laughs> yeah. It's He's... too tight for your <laughs> tumour-ridden neck. <laughs> he said that these days, were a man of his distinction to turn up at the BBC with a tie on, it would be thought he was taking the piss. Not And he was glittering, he has a true. glittering career to think of, exactly. Not fucking true. Yeah. Completely made up. When I see BBC reporters who are not in war zones or in all the tropics broadcasting without a tie... The tropics! Yeah. I would assume that they were hoping for a substantial redundancy settlement. He's gone to the Maritimes. <laughs> now I realise their motivation is quite the opposite. The de facto abolition of the tie <laughs> in serious and respectable circles ought to be seen as comparable with the moment. Around with it should be seen as comparable in the moment around the time of the Great War when serious and respectable men stopped wearing frock coats. Important thing there: people who refer to World War One as the Great War yes. are to the man Bellens. <laughs> they are. It wasn't a Great War; it's Good War, not Great War. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it, it was just, just a fucking war. <laughs> great War. There was no Great Wars apart from the Opium War and the Great Patriotic War. Mm. Yeah. No, actually, no. The only great war is the war in Australia between Man and Emu, <laughs> which was great, mm. um, and also a real thing. So, do you find where he's from? Uh, no, it doesn't say. He went to Corpus Christi um, and London. There, there we go. I imagine Berkshire. <laughs> um, perhaps this is all the oh, fault. Born in Chelmsford. There we go. Born in Chelmsford. Perhaps this is all the fault of the chippy sociopath Gordon Brown. Who's chippy sociopath? I'm not. What? Yeah, exactly. Um, who's but also, like, people who don't. People didn't wear ties before Gordon Brown. Exactly, it wasn't Gordon Brown. I don't. I don't. Like, a tie is a is an extra thing that you yeah. wear. It's not. It's not even part of, like, a, okay, yeah, like, a shirt is just a covering that buttons up, mm. right? A coat is... A jacket is just an extra thing that keeps you A tie you is no different to like a carnation in a lapel. Yeah. Except... A pocket square. You can't square. peanut a carnation yeah. or a pocket square. And you should always peanut anyone you see in a tie. No matter who they are. If they're a stranger on the tube. Or your employer. Yeah. Especially if they're their employer. Well, if they haven't put a 2P in the top, they deserve it. Um, <laughs> perhaps this is all the fault of the chippy sociopath Gordon Brown, whose downright rude assertion on taking office that he would never wear a black tie to dinner was viewed by so many plonkers on plonkers in the liberal elite as a final assault to the, on the class system by, no. the, by attacking the incarnation of its graduations through dress. But at least Mr. Brown always wears a suit and tie, like the good Calvinist he is. He's letting the side down there because aren't conservatives... 
their whole thing is that the class system doesn't exist. Yeah. That it's not a real thing. But he's just admitted there that there is a specific no. dress for members of a particular no, class. No, he's he's one of those weird conservatives. He is fully aware. He he flirted with the hard left when he was younger. Ah, right. Okay, so he can't ever say that it doesn't yeah. exist. And he's still oh, and right, I've okay. read that he still has you know positive feelings towards the likes of Tony Benn and uh, people okay. like that. Yeah. He's one of those. Ones. He likes his grandparents. He's known Jones. Yeah, it's that oh, yeah. it's that kind of thing of um, oh you know if you're if. Like that, if you do, if you're not a Tory when you're a kid, then you have no heart. If you're, a, if you're oh, a if you are a Tory when, when you're young, you have no heart. If yeah, you're that's a it. Socialist when you're older, yeah, you have, no, have brain. no brain. Yeah, yeah, that kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the good Calvinist he is. Despite the overwhelming evidence to the contrary, perhaps even he realizes that dress is about manners rather than class. Bullshit. It's, and the prime he's minister- just specifically. S- Detailed the reasons why wearing a yeah. suit is entirely about class and yeah. not about manners. And knowing about the he secret just, rules. Yeah, he just listed the opera, res- restaurants that you go that cost a week's wages. Yeah. He's specifically saying that it's a marker of class. And the Prime Minister, at this point it'd be Tony Blair, Yeah, looks dashing in the white tie he wears each year to the mansion house. <laughs> Trading behind as usual, the Conservative Party is now seeking to ditch its standards in the pathetic belief that dressing down will make it more appealing um, more appealing to the public. At a fine party given last summer by Lord Saatchi at his company offices in Soho, shadow cabinet types who attended Tyler's looked variously silly, patronising, obtuse, scruffy or cynical. I wonder if Simon Heffer has any other views on arbitrary dress codes, like, say, the burqa. I bet he does. I bet he has some very trenchant views on the burqa. Does it matter? Are we shallow as to judge people by their dress? No, we are not. I mean, you specifically are. You specifically have just spent the last cycle doing that. Really, we never were. I have known some utter shits and charlatans who dress properly, but at least they showed a basic respect for their surroundings and their... Okay, I'm going to say this word. I'm going to say this word. Meteor... M E A Q T I E R. I obviously is it Metier, I, Yeah. Is it? Uh, mm. I, I obviously I didn't have the tie on in the correct knot to be told that what that how that. Well, works yeah. If you'd had your tie done up properly, you might understand French. Yeah. Um, scrappy people are, are thoughtless either about themselves or others or both. Almost the only sacrosanct occasion left is the funeral, where even the most radical of men still feels the need to wear a tie, even if regrettably it is not a black one. Inherently, men at such an event even now can understand the need to show respect. What a pity that so many of the rest of us must wait until we are dead to have it shown, shown to us. And the thing is with Simon Heffer is I would always show him the respect that he completely deserves <laughs> by wearing a polo shirt with a clip-on top bow tie that spins whenever he says something dumb and elitist and anachronistic. He's a fucking piece of shit bellend. I love these articles because they tell you exactly where to get them. As he said, he's known some real shits and charlatans, but they showed a basic respect. So the next time you see Simon Heffer at a cash machine, (laughs) grab the nearest shirt, nearest tie, and fucking rob him. (laughs) Yes. Fucking piece of shit, Simon Heffer. Um, And next week, I don't know who I'll cover. I can't decide, so... You can message us. You yep. can tweet. I can't decide between either. I've forgotten a Sarah Vine. Uh, what was it? What was it? Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Vine, Vine, Nick Cohen, 
or James Delingpole. These yeah. are all people that I think are utter cunts. Yeah. I think Nick Cohen would be funny. James Delingpole is like shooting, He's hilarious. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Oh, it is. It's, it's awesome. shooting yeah. inbred fish in a very small barrel. <laughs> yeah. um, and Sarah Vine, she's just a proper monster. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Nick yeah. Cohen's one that we particularly despise. Yeah, Nick Cohen's a good one. Mm. But yeah. So, I mean, if you've got any ideas, any thoughts on the podcast, um, let no, us know. No, I don't want your thoughts on the podcast in general. I just want your thoughts on who I'm going to attack next. No, we want that. No, I don't, I don't care about their thoughts. Fuck them. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> let us know at uh, WDT... W- you fucked it up again. You've got it written down in front of you. W- Jesus. Say W... You went, to a, you went to a grammar school and you still can't read. Say the say the name of the Twitter. Okay, you can reach us on our Twitter, WDTATW under slash podcast. On Twitter. Um, yeah, I could read. Could... Well done. <laughs> well, yeah, only because I warmed it up for you. Um, uh, to be fair, like, the only reason I was able to read it is because I'm wearing a tie with a double windsor knot. <laughs> you showed a basic respect mm. for the pod, for the podcast. Got a double windsor knot on a blue passport. <laughs> That's how like, I was able to read. Yeah, so WDTATW underscore podcast on Twitter, or you can search for We Don't Talk About The Weather on iTunes, subscribe, like, let us know what you think. And give us a review. Give us a review, yeah. One of our friends gave us a review, but I still can't, I don't know, I think he was just drunk of his ass, just typing wildly into the internet and hoped it would get there. That's what the best of us do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's been episode seven. Thanks, yeah. guys. See you later.
no more beer, my heart to cheer. Goodbye, whiskey. You used to make me frisky. So long, highball. So long, gin. Oh, tell me when you're coming back again. Blue. I've got the blues. Since they amputated my 